Hello guys, my name is Soul Sky. Welcome back to another episode of Soul Talks. As you guys know, I have been doing a series on parents and single parents and parenting skills and today's today's guest is someone special to me, which is my father, who is Jesse Jess Diaz and I call him dad. So, um, for those, welcome to the show, Dad. Hey, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor that I'm doing your show. So, this is very an exclusive interview because I ain't trying to do interviews for nobody. But my daughter asked me to do one and I was honored having my daughter do a podcast that it's an honor for me to do this show. So, come on, everybody. Give me a clap. Yay! <laughs> so, for those of for those who don't know who you are, ex- tell, tell them about yourself. Well, my name is Jesse Jess Diaz, as everyone know. I am a pioneer in music. I was one of the first to start the hip-hop culture all over the world. I was the first MC that came out of Washington Heights in 77. I was the first person to pull out bass rap record called Young Ladies in Miami in 83. I've been in the business for over 32 years. I'm a multi-platinum record producer. And I got a history after history after history. So, explain parenting. What, what was the difficulties you had with raising two, different gir- two girls with two different personalities? How did you handle that? Well... Let's start from the beginning because it, it, it grows to the point where you have to learn how to deal with two individuals with two different personalities. So let's go about how it all started. As a parent, I wasn't a parent back then, but I was in the music business. Um, I was in California. I was working for Tracy, a.k.a. Ice-T. Um, me and him had a record deal on the table. Um, he went on to do his first album called Colors, um, Killer Cops. I don't remember what was the album called, but he did Killer Cops and the, the song Colors. And um, he asked me to be a part of this album. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it because um, I also had MCA Motown, a multi-million dollar, a quarter of a million dollar producer deal on the table at the time when my mother called me and told me, Jesse, you better come to New York because you're about to have a kid. Well, whatever my mom says, you know, I'm going to jump. And I went. So I came to New York thinking that the mother was going to give birth to this child, see if I claim it, and then moved on and go back to California and continue to produce and do that. Unfortunately, it didn't happen like that. Um, What happened was that you was taken away from the mother um, and they put the responsibility on me as a parent. So what happened was they had to, they wanted me to go to court to get custody and it just didn't make sense when I said I'm the father and everything. So I had to pull some strings where I didn't have to go to court to get you and they brought you home the next day. At that time still, they were still trying for me, at that time it wasn't called ACS, it was called BCW 
At that time, BCW was calling me, telling me I needed to go to court so I can show and prove that I'm a fifth father. And I tell him, hell no, it ain't gonna happen. This is not how it works and everything. And for me, I was I already felt that I was being discriminated as a father. All in all, we went to move on. I try to have a relationship with um with your moms. Um, it wasn't trying to work out because she had other ideas in life. So, um, until a point where my mother convinced me and bring her back into our life. We did. And at the time, thinking that I was going to bring your mother back and my mother taking care of, that I was going to get help. But unfortunately, it didn't work out like that. I had to stop my music career completely to raise you first. Um, at that time, you have gotten sick. As we as we recall, you had called meningitis, the seizure disorder, and all that, and it took a toll because I wasn't prepared to be a parent and trying to do this on my own. And I mean, it took a lot out of me. But all in all, I, all I kept saying was, "Well, that's my daughter. I got to do what I got to do because if my mother did it, then I knew I did it." As we went on, as we went on, we um. Went to see a lot of medical doctors. Um, there were some pros and cons on decisions that these doctors were giving me. And of course, I wasn't accepting the cons. I was more towards the positive, which was the pros. Um, I went to go ahead and try to do anything to try to get you better. Um, I also caught a federal indictment and went to prison when I was working with the mafia to get money to get you the best neurologist or doctor in the world, and which I did. Um, but as life went on, I brought your mother back into the picture. We moved out of New York, bought a house in Rhode Island with all the money I made in the music industry. Um, Try to pursue my career. Went to Miami to work with Luis Martinez and Frank Diaz, who gave me the opportunity to give me a chance to see if I could do do music as an artist and as a producer. Um, their company they were working with, um, they produced a, a, a pop artist called Expose. Um, and then we went on to work with Gloria Estevan, the Miami Sound Machine, before they completely went on to say Gloria Estevan. Um, so we try, I tried to continue my career, but it wasn't really working out. So things didn't work out. I had to come back and continue to raise you and thinking that we was going to live this beautiful life. And that unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, that's when Priscilla was conceived and we went back to New York City because my mom was sick. So towards of all that. Towards all that, um, of course, I was devastated knowing that I had to stop my music career. But then, that was not even the mind. It was just trying to get your mother together, my mother together, all these things. Um, while Doris was in the pregnancy, um, towards the end of the pregnancy, um, she was like six months when... My mom died. Um, Doris was there for my mother. That's the only thing I could talk good. 
that that lady took care of my mother. And you know, how can I forget something that this, this young lady sacrificed whatever she was doing to make sure that she was taken care of because my mother was very complicated. She didn't get along with everybody. But she loved Doris. That's one thing I could tell you. All in all, Priscilla was born, and again, it happened where the baby was taken away. And um, this time, this time, now, not only did I have one baby, but now I got two kids that I got to take care of on my own. Sure enough, sure enough, I caught the federal indictment. I ran for a year, and I got caught in Brooklyn. And when I got caught in Brooklyn, right away I already knew that they were going to take the babies away from the mother. And um, I called Priscilla's godmother, because at that time you didn't have a godmother. I called Priscilla's godmother to see if she would take these kids in. And she had to think about it. But the moment she decided to do it, it was already too, too late. They took me in while I got arrested and went to down south for my federal indictment. Um, I was in prison for two years. Of course, um, I didn't know where you guys were for six months. I had my lawyers trying to reach you. They couldn't find you until they finally did. I was hoping that your mother would get her act together and see if she can go ahead and claim custody, but it didn't happen. Um, 14 months later, I got a letter at federal prison indicating that you guys were going up for adoption. Um, if you do not come and proceed of getting custody, well, in federal prison, you got a lot of people there who are rich, famous, politicians, governors. These are all the people that I worked with or that was in prison with me. Don't mention names, don't want to, doctors and everything. Well, this individual who's still my friend, okay, he's a doctor who helped me. Got this judge who was in there too as well, helped me write this letter and send it to the courts of stopping their adoptions, which we want. And indeed, they waited for me to get out to get custody of you guys. So when I came home, the first thing I did was I set a goal. And that goal was get my kids out of foster care. So sure enough, I went to go visit you guys. And you remember me. So Priscilla was scared of me. I remember that little girl was only like, what? Like six? No, she was three years old, oh. two years old. Yeah, yeah she, she was, was two years yeah. old, and she was petrified. She was so scared. She always cried. She never wanted to leave. She hid behind me. Huh? She used to hide behind me. Hide behind you. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. That's what's funny. She would cry and cry and cry. Oh no, I don't want to. Anyway, I went in there. I was released. I went to see you guys, and then I had to follow the procedures of getting custody. Well. That was another mission, because you know it's how long it took us, right? Well, you have to explain to them how long did it take you to get custody. So it took me at least three and a half years, close to four years to get custody. So let me explain you why. At that time, the system wasn't recognizing that it was a single father who was trying to raise two girls. At that time, we were being discriminated because the only time that mothers have more rights than fathers. So the system only understood that the mothers were more eligible of raising their children because that's how the system worked. So I, myself, had to create a system which I did not believe in the system. The system had failed me, so I needed to 
work around the system, which I did. So what I did was I complied with everything the judge asked me and everything. Still, the judge was being very hard on me. He was, she was still trying to do these things. It took me six months just to get unsupervised release, okay? So at the time, I did everything I had to do. I wasn't going to quit. I complied with everything. I went to everything they wanted me to go. I even remember one time that the judge, I was seeing the judge and I thought the kids were coming home. And I had this young lady who was a drug addict and she went into a rehab. Actually, she was a crackhead. She, she told me I was a crackhead. Simple, and she just came out and said, and she said, I'm trying to get my kids back. I'm telling her, it's, you know, don't be expecting you're getting your kids home because this judge is very hard. This is a tough judge. Anyway, she goes inside, comes out, and says, Oh my God, I got my kids are coming home with me. And meanwhile, I'm all hype. I'm saying to myself, well, if this lady got the kids, I know I'm coming home with my kids too. Sure enough, I go inside the courts. Honorable judge, I don't even want to mention the name because you're going to see it in my book. And, and this judge, which is a sheep, comes out and says, Okay, so you've been doing it. See, you comply with everything. All right, let's set another court date. Um, the next six months. And I looked at her. I said, wait a minute, Your Honor. How are you going to give me another six months if I complied with everything? And it says, well, sir, we got to see if you're a fit father. And I said, hold up, wait a minute. I've been seeing you already for about a year and a half. And, I mean, I should be entitled to having my kids. She says, well, still, you're a convicted felon. I said, oh, so that's what you could discriminate on because I was a convicted felon. I mean, I didn't get high and did drugs like the young lady that you gave her custody to. Oh, she got mad. She said, you know, Mr. Mr. Diaz, it's none of your concern or what happened to the other lady. Yeah, and I came out and said, yeah, it is my concern because she's a crackhead and she only did six months. She went to jail and everything. You gave her custody of those kids. And meanwhile, a person like myself didn't do drugs. And I had to fight for my kids, and now you're giving me six months. So the Honor said, you know what, Mr. Diaz, you're out of order. I said, no, Your Honor, you're out of order. And she threw my ass out of the courts. <laughs> sure enough, man, I was upset. So upset, sad, crying. I can't believe this lady's making it impossible for me. And um, I knew that I continue to do what I got to do, but I also knew that... It was new to her being a father, but I could tell you that because of me, when I got custody of my children, I am the reason why the court system changed their their favoritism in ladies and making an equal opportunity for both male and female. I am the first. I changed that system. They looked at my records and saw how much I fought, and I'm a successful individual who took the opportunity when they gave me my custody and became a father. Wow. Um, so we went from answering like 10 different questions. <laughs> um, no, it's so crazy because we didn't even get to the part when I got custody no, of the children, didn't. right? So yeah, explain the unsupervised visits. Explain how how you got to that point, and how it became more complicated <laughs> <laughs> after you got unsupervised visits. Oh wow, that's crazy! So here's what happened. So finally, 
the judge opened up, started becoming more lean and still not trying to give me that. So they wanted to see how I was able to manage manage on my children and seeing how I can handle them them. alone. So finally I got this unsupervised visits and of course I was excited because it was like a week after I fought with this judge when the foster agency called me and told me, Mr. Diaz, come pick up the kids for the weekend. You're going to have the kids and this and that. So I was like, yeah, I'm so happy. It's exciting. I'm going to get these kids. And they're all right. So meanwhile, I called my cousins, the Diaz family, right? And they lived in Chelsea, in Chelsea Projects. And I'm telling them, I'm bringing them my kids over so you can meet my kids. And all my Diaz family are excited. They're all there waiting for me to bring the kids. And I bring the kids. And we're, we're excited. And, you know, Priscilla's too intimidated by me. Still very scared by me. But she was okay. She started getting comfortable. Soskai was the excited. She was always, Daddy, I'm with my dad. I'm going to be with my dad. And everything. <laughs> dad is going to give me everything. And she was always like, Daddy, you're going to give me this. I was like, of course I'm going to get you that. What do you want? And I'll get this and that. And it came to a point after we visit. My cousins were about to take my kids back to Brooklyn to be picked up. When I was walking on 14th Street and 8th Avenue, we were crossing the street to get to get a cab or get on the train. I don't recall what it was. I know we were crossing the street and you said to me, Dad, before we leave, can I get ice cream? And I said, sure enough. Then you went into the, saw the ice cream store and next thing you know, you released my hand. Try to run across the street in a yellow cab. Bam! Hits you. Not only that, it hit her, right? It hits her. We were in the middle of 9th and 8th Avenue on 14th Street. The yellow cab hit her and dragged her all the way to the corner of 8th Avenue. I was so shocked. I didn't even know what to do. What happened was that while that happened, I ran towards... Soul Sky. She was alive, thank God. But I saw that her bones, she, the, she broke an ankle and her ankle was dislocated. It came out. You could see the bone out. And she, the most important thing, she cried and I'm trying to pick her up. But I don't know. God was good at that time because the detectives, when this accident occurred, the detectives were right there and they was ready to grab Soul Sky. But meanwhile, while I'm worrying about Soska, I let Priscilla go. And Priscilla's in the middle of the street between 9th and 8th Avenue. And the cars are going across. And she's in the middle crying, where's somebody help me? Somebody. And like, oh my God. And I told the detectives, oh, I left my younger daughter. And I ran to go get my daughter. Thank God. Rest in peace. My cousin Junior was there. Not only that Junior, Junior Diaz, not only that Junior Diaz, Grab Priscilla. He grabbed Priscilla and that cat tried to get away. Remember? That cat tried to get away. He grabbed that Hindu guy and said, Yo, where you going, my friend? And grabbed he had Priscilla in one hand and the Hindu guy in the other hand and grabbed them both and said, Sir, you're not leaving. And that's so when the detectives came, the detectives now put you in a cab. Um, we took Priscilla, we went into the hospital. So when we got to the hospital, it doesn't exist no more. St. Vincent Hospital on 11th Street. Went to the hospital. They're taking care of you. Now, I got to call in now. Not only that was my first supervised visit, I already fucked up. Knowing that my daughter got hit by a car. I left the other one. 
how the hell when the judge finds out that I did this, you think they're going to give me my kids? <laughs> hell no, they're not going to give me my kids. I already knew. I fucked everything up. <laughs> they gave me the opportunity and I fucked everything up. But what I did do was I did the protocols. I did the right thing. I called the agency on the emergency hotline, which is recorded. I explained that my daughter let go of my hand and got into a car accident. And they said, okay. And I said, where are you now? It's the St. Vincent Hospital. They said, okay. I said, they gave me a number to call another supervisor. I called the other supervisor. Explain. Before I called the foster agency. When I called the foster agency, I know, the foster parent, I called her up and I said, Gladys, Soska got hit by a car. I'm in the hospital. She asked me she's okay. I said, she's okay. She just got a dislocated ankle. Um, I didn't explain to them that my daughter was dragged from one corner to the other because it would have been the only question was was why why you crossing the street what happened and I explained she let go of my hand and she you know was worried about crying and this and that and um they didn't even have to ask a question I know they did because they asked her what happened and she says well I let go of my dad and I ran to get ice cream and that's the only thing she said I ran to get the ice cream so and that we did not discuss about me leaving Priscilla in the middle of the street. I mean, they would have really got mad. But we did discuss that, what happened with you. Anyway, thank God things worked out. Priscilla, um, Soul Sky got her ankle fixed. The courts are still was being the process. And once she healed, um, we were still going to get the visits. And supervisors explained... Don't feel bad, Miss. It happens to all of us. You're not the only one that this happened to. And that the best thing you did is you called at the right moment. Because they have timing. So if I call when this happened and I call 10 minutes later, it happened. So they were expecting it not happen like three hours later. Now I'm calling the agency. No, it didn't work like that. I called them right away knowing what happened. Um, after that... Um, Still getting my visits. Now I'm getting overnights. We're having weekends and everything. Still, my kids hasn't come home yet. You know, officially. Um, so, I went to jail in 95. I got out in 96. End of nine. Did all, I'm almost 18 months. It was a 24-month sentence. In 96, uh, fight for you guys. Because it was the beginning of October of 96. In 98... Wow, two years, man, right? Almost two years. No, three years because I got in 99, let's say 99. Mm-hmm. Uh, in December of 98, they're telling me they're going to discharge me. And right after New Year's Eve, you guys spent the New Year's Eve. You spent the thing, and I finally got the discharge, the trial discharge in 99 of February. Um, so you guys came home. We lived in the Bronx for a while. And um, and Priscilla started getting comfortable with me. Um, you guys, I was working as a supervisor at Kmart. You guys used to love to go to Kmart. I bought you guys bicycles. You was playing with all the toys. Everybody loved you. I even started dating a, the lady at the forest agency. I can't remember her name, but she was a full a supervisor at the lady at the forest agency. I don't want to mention forest agency names because all that's gonna be in the book. You know, I do know that this lady was a wonderful lady and she really cared for me uh, regardless of my past, you know. Um, 
But life went on. It's, you know, it was very complicated raising you girls. The different personalities. Like, how did you manage? Because, you know, I'm more calm or bipolar, like you'd like to say. And Priscilla, Priscilla's more outgoing. She's more, I think she's more, it's not that I'm not friendly. She's more out there. Like, she, she'll go out there and she'll introduce herself. To well, well, you guys have different personalities. The wonderful thing is that you're both personalities people get along with. Everybody loves you. they sincere. You have this feeling. You touch people's heart regardless. And Priscilla has this little thing that she, everything that she touched turns to go. Both of you have different personalities, but your personality both are the same at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes, Priscilla is more ambitious. Vicious. Then what you are, you're more determined and you're, you understand how to fail and you keep failing but know how to give right back up and continue until you get it and eventually you do. Priscilla, I don't know if Priscilla understands about failure yet. Even though going to school was a big issue for her, going back to school after the she stopped her acting career was a big thing. She won't she won't admit it. She doesn't admit a lot of things. She's not more of that. Uh, I think she's more closed off. Than more, I am. yeah, that's the word. Like more, she has, uh, she doesn't show more of a feelings, emotions, emotions like the way you are. You're more sensitive. She's not. She's very aggressive and has a wall. And there's only a little people that can get to yeah, her. Get through the wall. You know, I mean, I can tell you the closest person that I believe that's gotten close to her is her boyfriend, future fiance, future husband. You know, I got to give a big shout out to Jonathan Otero, Jay Point, because he's the only one that's able to get to her. And it's a beautiful relationship because I could tell you stories about Priscilla, but that's going to be in the book too, you know? <laughs> so I'm not going to give all the good details in that. The thing about it is that I would like to say that raising two girls wasn't easy for me. It wasn't recognized and, and we were considered as unfit fathers. Male had a tef, um, difficulty in raising young ladies. It's much easier raising a boy because a boy, they do boy things. They play baseball, sports, do this. Don't got to worry about things. Girls are very more delicate. Their time of the month comes. When their time is this, when they start maturing, when they start developing... Um, when their body starts developing, when they start changing different feelings, when they want to talk to a woman and there's not a woman in their life, how do they talk to their father about different feelings? Those were challenging in my life, especially as a father. Me, I just went along and I went, I went with the flow because my mother, rest in peace, my mother raised me as a single parent and she always told me that I'm your mother and father. It's the same thing I always told Soska and Priscilla. I'm your mother and father. No one could do what I did. No one's going to have that open relationship and have an understanding where you can come and speak to me regardless of whatever because you can trust me. I used to always tell them like my family used to always tell me and this is a true story. You want to drink, you want to get high, you want to do that. Why do it in the streets if you get caught when you could come into the house and do it here knowing that you're safe? 
It's the same questions that I said that the question that my mother asked me, I asked my own daughters. Listen, too much shit going out in the streets. You gotta be careful. Watch what you do this. I taught these kids, I educate them the street smarts, not education. This is something that I didn't learn when I was younger. You know, I had I had it hard. I had my own disability. I was dyslexic. Yeah. Okay. Um Things couldn't comprehend with me. I hated to read. I hated school. I hated. I, I figured out a way. There was always a way for me to get by. My life was always getting by. But my children, that life that I did, I did not want from that for my children. I wanted to make sure they did it the right way. Soskai had a challenge in her life. Uh, Soskai went to school. It took her to, she's 20 years old to graduate from high school, but. She wanted it. She did not want it that. I didn't want a GED. Or an IEP. Or IEP diploma. Right, which means that if you get that diploma, you can't get into any college. She wanted a high school diploma. Something that I didn't do. I had. I got my GED. I went to college. I did all these things. I went to three different colleges. Yeah. Ask me if I graduated. Not. Didn't even go to school. <laughs> didn't even go to class. Okay. But you were... You, I wanted it, but when we struggled, the last year we struggled in high school, remember? <laughs> and I was, they were about to be ready to throw me out. And he was like, oh, no, you're not. She's going to come here. She's not, I'm not playing with her. She's coming to school. She's going to get a high school diploma. I'm not playing with her. That's what a father's supposed to do. A father's supposed to do when she was about to quit, that I didn't let her quit, and I told her, I know you can do this. And I had to make the effort, find a school for her where it'd be easier and suitable for her. And I'll give you an example. She didn't like to get up in the morning, so we found a school to, in the night. She was going, and she still was going late, but she was going every day. And I gotta give a big shout out to... Manhattan Comprehensive. Manhattan Comprehensive Night and Day School. Big shout out to them, because that's a good school. For people that's foreigners, Overseas that don't know how to speak English, that knows how to speak different languages, they got a program for all of you guys for that, you know. And they loved her. That principal loved her. That dean loved her. That guidance counselor, they all loved Soskai. They wanted to her to succeed. And sure enough, she did it. She was, sure I did. I was forced to do it because I, yeah. I was playing. I was. Hanging out with the wrong crowd, doing stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. We even had night. We had we had weekend school. Remember, I had to go to school on Sunday. And I was like, "Damn, that's the only day I gotta wake up early." It is Sunday, so my dad was. Yeah, it was all on me, but it was more like you. I'm not playing with you. Like you really have to do this. Like you really. I don't care. He always said, I don't care if you don't go to college. Yeah, exactly. But you have, have to, to get the, this high school diploma. diploma. I'm not playing. Because that was my job as a parent, as a minor, even though she was 20 still. That was a goal. I have goals in life. Goals were to get my kids out of foster care. I did. I have dreams. Dreams has goals. You can dream all you want, but if you don't have goals, you can't set them. You know what I'm saying? You cannot complete them. And I did that. That was one of my mistakes because I didn't have goals. I had dreams. The only goals I ever had that I was able to complete, yes, I'm a successful multi-platinum record producer. I'm a successful in the music industry. I did everything. But those weren't goals. Those were just trying to get paid. Goals were like my kids, how I had to do this to complete it, and which I did, you know? And 
my success, regardless of the history in the music industry, you know, that's nothing compared of what I have accomplished as a single parent that both of my kids graduated from high school. That's not even talking about that one graduated from college and the other one is almost finishing his nursery. And the host of the most, the coast of the coast, Miss Soul Talks, you know? <laughs> um, you gotta give her that props, you know? Um, I believe independency. I believe that women wants that independency. I believe that you need to do these things on your own. I believe that there is help and, and ask for it. You know, you can't do everything by yourself. I believe in all these things. I've learned from my own children how to become a better man. You know, I learned from my own children how to become a better person. And I learned from my own children how to be humble. Because I was a grimy person, man. I wasn't a good person. You know, people can't fuck me. I fucked them before they fucked me. You know what I'm saying? But it was all good. It was all good, and I had to protect my family, and especially Priscilla being young in this industry. How? That's another question. You know? How did you handle, you know, it was rough when we first found out Priscilla wanted to do this music stuff, and you guys were traveling, and I wasn't able to go with you guys as much. Um, would you, what, what would you change in that, in Priscilla? Priscilla being so young, wanting to do the music industry, like, what, is there anything that you would change as a parent? Because you were both, you was her, not only were you her parent, you were also her manager. So explain how you handle that portion of your life. It's funny because the mistakes I made in this industry of all the people I worked for, you know, some of these songs that I did, I don't even own the publishing. I don't own nothing. I mean, these are hit records that I can say I did, but can I prove it? Absolutely. I can show you that I got things, but this is something that I'm not trying to hurt another individual from the food they ate because, yeah, they didn't write the song, but they're, they're the artists, and I wouldn't do that to those people. I did get a lot of lawsuits, and I got money from other songs that I did. Yeah, but with Priscilla, all the things that I happen, I try to teach her course at a young age I didn't even talk to her about her being a recording artist I always said to her at a young age look at what the Olsen sisters are doing they are becoming business person I have to teach you how to be a businesswoman you know at a young age and she was nine and she and she owned her own company and how would you have a nine-year-old own company yeah but I would guide her through all this but it was something that I needed to teach her and I felt my aggressiveness not only my aggressiveness and my toughness and her, me trying to discipline her took away her childhood. And, you know, took away a lot of, of her fun part. You know, this is something that I didn't want my kids to be poor. I was trying to do something so they had a future. This little girl was very talented. She's the one that came up to me when she saw Selena. Oh, Dad, I want to do this. And when I had tucked, when I got my tumor removed, I said, we left to leave New York when we moved to Harlem. Um, we have to leave the Bronx, and when we move to Harlem, I said, I'm going to get my life together so I can go ahead and pursue Priscilla, you know? Yeah, it was about Priscilla everything, where I used to get off different artists' teacher, different flows. Not only writing, but she can write and do all that, but it was different flows. So I had all these people, you know, helping her write these songs and help her flow and everything because I didn't want her just to be this simple artist. I wanted her to be 
an artist that I can tell you right now, this is on the record. What Nicki Minaj is doing and Cardi B is doing it, Priscilla was doing it at 10. And I got proof. All you got to do is Google P-Star Rising and watch the documentary that won 29 awards. And it's about me and my daughters as a single parent raising two girls where you get to see the differences of and the challenges that we had. We won 29 awards and I can prove it to you. Priscilla was doing this at 9 what Nikki and Cardi B is doing now. So no one could tell me nothing. We, we, we already was advanced. We knew what was coming up, you know. But... What would I do different? I would have been more leaned back about it. I would have waited longer. I would have just did these things. And, but it's just, I had a goal. And that goal was to try to do this documentary. And that's the only thing I could say that I completed. Because I've had Gabriel Noble come to him, convince this man to do this. You know why? Because if it didn't work out, at least I have a movie with my children as a single parent. And as a young nine-year-old who was a multi-platinum artist... For the reggaeton niños, you know, who she worked with all these people in different company, but she was also manipulated. She was all, she got to see the ugly side of it. These are things that Priscilla never wanted to see, and she told me she didn't. It was ugly for her, and and she didn't want that no more. And then, and I understand now. I understand. I understand why she stopped everything. I understand why she went back to school and get an education. I understand. You know why? Because when you got a degree, no one could fuck with you. Because that degree, as an entrepreneur, if you have a bachelor, associate, or a master, they can't mess with you because that's the most important thing. And Priscilla keeps pursuing about education. Same thing with Solskai. Solskai wanted to do so many things. I'm going to tell you, I thought she was crazy. Because when she first came to me and said, Dad, Dad, um... What was the first thing you asked me? Because I want to go into the security and then the schooling. What was the first thing you wanted to do? You know? She um, she was working at a job. She was doing this. She wanted to do beauty salon. Beauty. I want, and I do the makeup. Yeah, she still does. But it was like, the first thing I want to tell you what she wanted was to, she did. Don't get it twisted, but Soska got a beautiful voice. And let me tell you something. Soska always wanted to sing and this and that. But Soska was horrible in singing. Yes or no? Yeah, I was. And I was like, and it was and like, I used to ah, drive you crazy. Crazy. Practice. <laughs> and no, and the thing was, I used to tell Soskai, Soskai, all you got to do is practice. If you practice, it'll make it perfect. You're going to get better and better. And I believe that because this is, this is a, a, a talented family who not only are special, but we got gifted kids in this family where musically it comes out. I got a lot of people in my family are musically uh, talented. They just didn't pursue it. Like the way Priscilla did. But Solskai, that singing, the singing. I sent it to Craig Derry, and Craig Derry would tell me, and I used to tell Craig, Craig, she can't sing, right? And not Craig, that's a great guy. Craig Derry used to tell me, no, Jesse, she has potential. You just gotta work with her, you know? She would do the thing. (laughs) But tell me how bad she was driving me crazy. This was 24 hours singing off notes, everything. I used to go, oh my God. Until one day she got it. And when she got it, I came up to her and I said to her, oh my God, so Scott, look at your voice. You got it. You can hit the notes. So I said, okay, now that you can hit your voice, I want you to sing Winnie Houston's song, The Greatest Love of All. I want you to sing um, The Sun Come Out Tomorrow, right? I want you to sing Amazing Grace. 
Those are three. These are three songs that all singers should learn how to sing, because if you ever gonna get ahead in an audition and everything, if you can sing these songs, then you got potential to becoming a singer. So I gave her these songs, and she practiced. And next, you know, she sang them to me. I said, "I'm gonna record you. I put her in the studio and recorded, and we did a song together." Let me tell you now, this is not what she wanted, but she worked hard and sacrificed and sang until she got it. So after that. So this guy wanted to do the security guard. I was like, Dad, I need 165 for my certificate. This and that. I was like, what? And I was like, so this guy, really, you want to do this? You know, I'm doubting her. No doubt about it. And I'm doubting her. I said, there's no way she can do this. I said, yeah, I'm going to do this. And so this guy, we're wasting time. You're going to become a security this and that. Well, I gave her the money. She went. Next thing you know, she comes with me with not only the... the 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 security guard certificate and the what else certificate the fire safety fire right? safety the site she said dad I got it so I was like I I was like I you got it I say nothing she told me oh I got an interview working for Yankee Stadium now you know I'm saying there's no way you're gonna get this job at Yankee Stadium <laughs> you're not getting it you know what I'm saying like, I'm saying there's no way you know what it is how many people apply for Yankee Stadium and I was like all right mommy good luck. Yo, she came back and told me, listen, I got a second call. I'm going back for a second. I said, hi. I said, yeah, you know, I'm not thinking. She called me and said, Dad, I got the job at Yankee Stadium. I said, what? You got the job at Yankee Stadium? Do you know I'm you're the biggest fan? Oh, my gosh. And I said, yes. I was, I'm going to Yankee Stadium for every day. I got a discount. She said, nah, it doesn't work like that. Securities don't get like discounts and everything. But Priscilla, I mean, so Sky will go. Go to the game. She'll bring back a baseball bat, a ring, a t-shirt, all these things. I used to love it. I used to love it. She would come home late. I would make sure she'd go to the games and everything. Then she told me, listen, I'm going to get a license for a gun. I was like, oh, no, you ain't trying to shoot nobody. (laughs) I said, sure enough. I gave her the money. Yeah, she's got a certificate, a gun license permit. I mean, she don't got a gun, but she got a permit. These are things that she did on her own and accomplished. Bottom all line, she left all that to become a nurse, a registered nurse. And that's what she's doing, medical assistant, registered nurse. And she wanted to quit on this too. But me and my cousin Lily, we kept pushing her. No, let's do this. I remember she was taking surgical, what is I was, it? I was doing search tech. I knew I did It was one of those feelings where you knew you didn't fit. But because, I don't know, it was, it was something in me. I was like, just go for it, just go for it. The first semester, I came back home. I was depressed. My dad's like, what's wrong? I was like, yo, can you believe I felt all those classes? <laughs> and I used to tell yo, this is no joke. This is a hard <laughs> class. Not even my own friend who was a doctor told me, I don't know why she took that class, man. You yeah. got to be a genius to take that class. It's, you got to. It, but here's what happens. She has a good heart. Everybody loves her. Don't you think the director pulled some strings together to get into another class and everything and make sure she didn't fail? And they've been on top of her. You got to dang Sweden. Swedish Institute, yeah. They, yeah, they that, really helped. That Dr. Sam is no joke. That's my man. <laughs> big shout out to you, Dr. Sam. I hope you'll be listening to this, all right? I'm giving you a big shout out in your school so everybody can go to your school once we become rich and famous, all right? All right, so... <laughs> so, um... She did it, so now she's about to graduate I'm about in October. To graduate. Let's give a round of applause. Everybody graduate. clap. Come on, I can't hear you. <laughs> I'm about to graduate as a medical assistant, and then we're going to go for nursing. Um, 
Yeah, she needs a job. She wants yeah, to work first. Let um, her work and go to then you know take part time in school. She needs a job. She needs to help with that. Just because I got money, I'm broke. Oh, too. you got man. You're not broke. I don't know why you sitting there lying. What's what what can you say was your biggest inspiration? And that's the last question. What was your what's your biggest inspiration in life? Of course, my biggest inspiration. What inspired me? You gotta understand. I went through a lot. Two spinal surgery, massive depression, drug addiction, alcohol. Uh, I went through a lot and everything. I didn't understand this. Too mad, too. I had too much pride, seeing getting help, doing all that. I try to overcome all these things. It didn't work. But my biggest inspiration, you come on, man. That's that's a simple answer. You know, guys. Come on, tell everybody what's my biggest inspiration. Me and Priscilla. <laughs> that's right. because they are the example and they are the future and the next generation of becoming successful young ladies they're the ones who taught me how to be the man that I am today and never judge me regardless of my issues of my demons of my depression of my anxiety of course I gotta give big shout out to my service dog London Diaz he's sleeping right next to me that dog if it wasn't for him I would've never left my house okay and because of him I'm able to do public events I'll be able to go to Yankee Stadium oh you guys you know my Instagram right Jesse Jess Diaz you follow us and you see you know it's all about London it's all about my kids it's not about me and my thing, it was never about me. It was always about the youth, education, uh, uh, inspiring them. Um, I mean, it goes on and goes on. But like I said, I'm here to help people. And my life now is to help people. Because I believe that family is the most important thing in life. And I also believe that Family is the most important and most dynamic in anybody's relationship. And that always family is first. And that means not because my daughter is my blood and my and, and, and my family. No, this is not about blood, bro. This is about being a family. We all family. We are here to help each other. We have one God and one God only. Okay? One God who developed who who made all of us. And at the end of the day, we are all family. And the thing is there's a lot of hatred in this world now. And it's a lot of being seen and and that's something that we can't stop it. But what we can do is make a difference and love one another. Like the way my daughter tells everybody, she loves everybody, you know. Me, you don't got to love me. You don't got to like me. But you got to respect me. Because that's the most important thing. It's about respect. And I always taught my kids, never judge no one. Treat them the way they want to be treated. And respect your elderly. Because that's the most important thing. Because if because of them, we, they wouldn't have been us. Do you understand? If it wasn't for me, they would have been them. You know? So all in all, my advice is to continue as a parent. There's, sometimes you're going to get frustrated. There's going to be a depression. You're going to be very stressed. That's all part of life. But there's a solution for every problem. And there's a way for everything. And we live in the United States of America. And they got everything here. We do not live in another country the way I lived. When I lived in Dominican Republic and I saw how that's, that government is so corrupted and I saw all those poor people and I saw hunger. That's really 
real, real. When you go to South Africa, man, you go to Africa and you go see these people, how they starving. And you go to my country in Cuba and you see all these people starving. And then that country is it's controlled by the government. They are a communist country where they only tell you, you shit when you shit and you eat when you eat. And that's a no-no. But that's something that we can't control and we don't have a part of it. But what we do have in the United States of America, there is help for everything. There is help. All you got to do is pick up the phone. Not even pick up a phone. We guys got no phones no more. You pick up your cell phone, iPhone, your Samsung, whatever you got. And you call somebody, man. And my life now, it's not about money. Because money didn't bring me happiness. And money sure didn't bring my health. But it's about the children. And it's about helping those that are in need. And my advice, I used to pay as a consultant. I used to get paid lovely from the industry. And my advice, I'm giving you guys are free if you're listening. And that advice is... If you ever need something or guidance, all you got to do is inbox me, DM, that's how you say it, or email me at Elite at gmail. Email me, and whatever I can do, you know, I'll be gladly. I don't make superstars, guys, you know what I'm saying? But what I do do is help those that want to become superstars, but... In this industry, everybody's not going to be a star. In this industry, there's more opportunity and behind the scene than becoming a star, okay? And the first thing I tell everyone now, the way my daughter said it, you got to be humble and you got to be hungry for this. If you're not humble and hungry, then you're in the wrong fields, man. Because if you think you're coming in this game to be rich and famous... That's beautiful. But the question is, when you become rich and famous, are you going to be happy? That's the question you need to ask. Because you can see all these artists, everything that you see, don't think it's real. Everything is not real, B. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of fakeness behind these people's faces. You know what I'm saying? And you only see those who are determined, who's been hungry, who got fire, who's been through what I've been through in life. And that's the only advice I want to give everyone. And I guess... I guess this is the end of the segment. Um, Thank you for coming on my show. And thank you for having me. And remember, everyone, family first. La Familia Primero. You already know. Um, As always, guys, if no one's ever... If no one's told you that they loved you, let me be the first to say that I love you. And if no one's told you that you matter... I'm telling you that you matter, and I hope you guys have a good rest of the day. Thank you for listening.